Welcome to Awaken Life Radio, a podcast about being a spiritual being, having a human experience in a world gone mad. Each week, we will discuss how you can heal yourself, cultivate your intuitive superpowers, and be a sacred vessel for planetary healing. I am your host, Narayani Gaia. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Awaken Life Radio. I am here today with the beautiful, talented, and gifted Anne Muller. Hi Anne. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for being here. This is part two. The last episode we did, we talked about channeling and dharma and helping women reclaim and people not only women, although we both tend to work mostly with women, their power, and we talked about sexuality and all kinds of stuff. And at the end of our last interview, we started looking at timelines and how we can perceive timelines and how we each perceived. I was talking about like the last, the past, and that I have this in my mind and, you know, Zion, everything was perfect harmony. And you were saying that you see the future as being in um, an ideal world. And I think together we can find the happy medium. Um, And we wanted to hop on today to really start to open the door to connect with the power of our ancestors, of our grandmothers, um, of um, both honoring their legacies and, and I'm going to name this, I don't know if you would put it this way, but reclaiming our gifts through acknowledging where we come from. And this ties into the um, conversation around timelines and working timelines, because as you know, and many of our listeners know, we, when we work to heal our childhood issues, or we go into the past and we almost rewrite the past so that we can catch up with the present so that we can retrieve our souls, reclaim. I I just love this word that you're a a reclamation coach. So I'm playing with that with you because, right? Because we're reclaiming those parts of us maybe that weren't seen, weren't heard, um, that didn't get to fully feel that we're disembodied and disassociated. And so as we open this conversation around ancestors and connecting with our ancestors and connecting with ourselves, I think it's perfect timing because it's we're at the eve of October of 2021 right now. And this is the season where we start to slowly get into the darker inner ancestral realms, like pinnacling in the witch's new year and um, Dia de los Muertos on Halloween. And so we have a chance to really connect to both our memories and our, our love for our ancestors. And you recently lost your beloved grandmother who seemed like quite a legacy from the little bit that I read about her. Um, What do you feel like your grandmother 
gifted you. Um, if, if you'd like to share about that, I'd love to hear kind of what, what your takeaways, because when we spoken in the last month, you're like, oh my gosh, like so much is, you know, culminating and shifting my perspective and the connection and legacy and stuff. So I'd love to invite you to share about your grandmother, what you've been learning, how you've been connecting with her in, within yourself and also w- within your work as a, as a leader as, for women. Um, what, what's up for you, girl? What's your big takeaways and your realizations? Because inquiring minds want to know. sure thank you for asking um yeah it's interesting that's it's a different question than you know people usually ask how are you or whatever which I always I kind of never know how how to answer that question (laughs) Um, so, so yeah okay um some of the gifts and the takeaways from um this passage with my grandmother Well, first off, she was absolutely a force of nature. Everybody who met her, and frankly, I think almost everybody who knows anybody in my family knew that and was inspired by that. And there is sort of a strength um, that I, a strength and kind of sense of persistence that I definitely feel like I received as from her as part of our lineage as well as she so she um saw this this film called um now I can't remember what it's called but it's something I want to say Sundance but that's not it it's a it's an old film about skiing Mm. um that I just can't remember the name of But anyway, it's part of the family lore and she saw it as a teenager and she um, grew up in poverty with a single mom in Buffalo and she somehow, you know, went to the movies and saw this, this film about skiing and she completely fell in love with skiing. Mm -hmm. And she said, I have to, I have to do that. So she um, somehow started to take the train to uh, Ellicottville, New York, which is the town that my mom grew up in um, and, you know, made friends there. And she, so she would take the train from Buffalo to Ellicottville and go skiing there. And then she met my grandfather who was 19 years older than her and um, had been, is, was a dentist and um, had been, um, had served in Europe uh, in the war and, um, they fell in love. And I mean, they were all, they were all part of a friend group and, and, and then they fell in love and, uh, he, he founded this, he, they together founded this ski, uh, resort in that town. Mm-hmm. But the reason I bring that story up is because my, she, so my grandmother raised her kids around what she loved which was skiing and hiking and being in the woods and being in the mountains. And nature was her church. She had a very complicated relationship with organized religion. Um, So that's another piece of the legacy I got from her is the capacity to stand up to authority. She was um, acute, she was, went to school. She was going to a private school and because her family had no money, she was, uh, you know, working in exchange to for going to this school 
and she would clean the chapel. Um, it was a Catholic school, I guess. And somebody painted the Virgin Mary, the statue of the Virgin Mary's toenails red. And they accused her of doing it because she was the only one in the chapel after hours and she didn't do it. And they told her, you have to stand with your arms outstretched. You know, they made her, they, they said, you have to confess. And she wouldn't confess because she didn't do it. And she, they, you know, had her do this mm -hmm. whole, the whole penance thing that they do. And finally they came to her house and they said, you have to confess to this or you will be excommunicated from the Catholic church. And she said at the age of, I think maybe 13. Wow. 13, she said, if this is what, if that is what this church is about, I want no part of it. Oof. Her mother total or totally backed her up. Chills. So that's who I come from. <laughs> that's who I come from. Right. Like, and when, when was that? I mean, your grandma was 95. She passed. Yeah, she was 95 when she passed um, last month and or earlier this month, just like three weeks ago. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a really long time ago. I mean, I'm really bad with math, but this like. Right. Let's see. Um, that was the 40. That was, when was she yeah. born? She was. I want to say, yeah, late twenties or early thirties. something. Right. Like so that was like the forties. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that was a big, that's a big part of her legacy. And then um, mm. this passion thing, she was so, she was so clear on what she loved and she organized her life around doing that. And then she told me multiple times when I was spending time with her last year in person that um, it was really important to her as a mother to recognize what her children and grandchildren were interested in and mm. support that. So, you know, she like drove my aunt Penny all over the place for her ski competitions. She bought, she um, drove my mom for her harp performances. And, you know, my grandparents got my mother a harp when she was 16, but she, but it wasn't, it's also not just like, I'm just going to give this to you. They said, you can have a harp if you learn how to play the piano first, because that's the first. So she did, you know, anyway. Mm. So that was the thing about seeing what somebody's into and supporting that. And she didn't really totally, I think, I think there was a lot about well, there was a lot about my mother that she didn't understand, but she, mm. she was very proud of her. And yeah. there was a lot about me and my lifestyle that she would never live in New York City. Like, it's crazy, right? Um, and she, you know, probably most of the things that I know about acting and movies and TV shows and stuff, like that's not her realm. But she know, knew that that was what lit me up and she always supported that. And mm -hmm. I just think that's so, so beautiful. It's you know? graceful. It's graceful. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm, I'm reflecting on my grandmother and also my dad, you know, who my dad passed this summer. And um, similarly, I felt like my, both of my, and my grandma passed in January at 103. Also mm -hmm. another legacy that everyone in our family knew. Grandma Zelda, the little Jewish I'm off from Lower East Side, you know, mm. she represented a whole era and she, mm. a queen, a Leo queen. Mm. And um, <laughs> remember, I got to, like you, I got to, the two years before she passed, I got to spend a week with her while my family was traveling and in Florida. And 
I got to tell her that I lost my partner that I was in love with because they didn't want me to tell her right after it happened because she had turned 100 and it would have brought her down. And it was like a week before she turned 100 and we had a family party and stuff. Anyway, but I got to share with her um, about that. And there was this like, (laughs) it was me and her caretaker in Florida at at my aunt's house. And there was this five gallon jug of water that needed to be brought into the kitchen. And I carried it from the garage and it was, it was heavy and it was a long walk because they have a bigger house and it was like a whole thing. And but I did it and she was like, why would you do that? Like, why wouldn't you ask a man to do that? And I was like, there's no man here. And she's like, Oh, I get it. That's why you never married. And she was basically like, you're gay and that's okay. And I was like, Grandma, I'm not gay. Like I would tell you. Like I, I tried. It's like didn't work. Like I'm. Yeah. Not, I, I've talked to like my gay friends about. You know, like I've been like that would be easier. And like um, the option. It's like I wish. You know, it's like oh gosh, I'm like it's so easy for me to get along with women. Um, but I'm like I'm 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 not gay, and yeah. you know, and like and and you know, and then I got to share with her about Sherwin and and stuff, and we cried and there was this whole thing that healed and I, I'm going to share this and ask you if you had anything like this happen when you spent time with your grandmother, which was my grandma lost my grandpa when she was like 30 in her thirties when my dad was 18 and it was, you know, the, the man of her dreams mm-hmm. and my grandpa Julius, whom I never met in person in the flesh. And she said, you know, if I could go back out and do it all over again, I put on my lit and she was, and she lived in New York. I would go out in my little black dress and heels and I would date and I would date over here and over there, but they couldn't. She's like, I couldn't, we were considered dirty if, mm. we, if I was with anyone else. Mm. And it, it hit me so hard because I was so in love with my partner who passed. Now I'm on the other side and I'm really mm. excited about dating again. And it took me four years to like close that door completely. Mm. Um, and but I could see how I was so in love when I lost my partner that, and he was, he's a legacy. So that, you know, I've shared with you personally about, about him and I share on the podcast about him. He he pops in. Um, But um, like that, I could just live in that one year of paradise that I had and that it's going to take me really, you know, really making a firm decision, do, continuing to do the inner work, you know, open up to new possibilities, start my life over, which I'm doing now again, you know, it, go through great transformation to, to break that pattern. And I didn't know that was a family pattern because mm. grandma's been telling stories for the last 40 years about her, her life and my grandpa and stuff all the time. Yeah. So I'm wondering if you're able to see something besides for the, and it's, I know it's fresh and, you know, we might talk more about this later, but see things that you kind of don't want to do. I mean, your grandma, I mean, gosh, pathmaker, like yeah. way ahead of her time. Yeah. But are there, are there any patterns that you feel that you've been able to track back either with that grandmother or any other of your ancestors that you been working through or, or worked on that I think could inspire our listeners because <laughs> we need inspiration. <laughs> and also like, you know, ancestral work 
comes in bizarre places. You know, like for years, I'd be like, thank you to my ancestors and going to like the house I grew up in one time. My brother drove by. I was like, do you want to go buy our old house? And I did an offering there to the ancestors of the land because I didn't know about that growing up. And then my grandma and grandpa came into my dreams because they were my ancestors, even though they're not like the native ancestors I thought I was giving thanks to. And then they like, my grandpa helped me through a whole situation. That was the only dream that I ever had of him after that. And so I think, and I'm not going to get into all the dreams and stuff, but I dream that's one of the medicines that I carry. So have, will you share about something that you, maybe, maybe it'll come later, right? Like maybe it's come, maybe you planted the seeds and it's come that you've been able to work through that's helped. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, on the other side of my family, there's all kinds of stuff. My grandmother on my dad's side was a lovely, sweet woman who went to rehab 17 times, one seven for alcoholism. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot that I could say about that side of the family. Um, if we, you know, we may or may not do that, but um, just because granny, that's my grandmother who passed a few weeks ago, um, everybody, like literally every, you know, she has how, I don't know, eight great grandkids and like 10 great grandkids and everybody calls her granny. Um, (laughs) so yeah. So anyway, um, but that one has been a little more fresh on my mind in the past few years. Um, and yeah, let's hear some about that. If you, if you're open to that. Yeah. Partially because I have been looking at legacy in general in my life. And specifically, it's funny that you brought up that example, probably because you're psychic, um, because specifically around relationships and romance and partnership and sexuality and all those things. So um, yeah, my very similar to what you said, my grandmother, um, uh, except just a little later. So my grandmother, I think was 40 something or maybe 50 somewhere in her forties or maybe early fifties when my grandfather passed and he passed suddenly, he, he had an aneurysm, um, on the tennis court and just fell. And just same thing, it. same thing with my grandpa too. It was sudden. It was a heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. It's just instant. So, um, and yes, she speaks and my, at that time, I think my mom was, I think my mom was in medical school or something. My parents were together at the time. But it was before I was born. You know, I never met my grandfather. Anyway, so um, yes, she definitely, she never was with anybody else. Um, she never said that she, that it was because she thought it was, or because she never said anything about conditioning that it was wrong or anything. She just said she was never really interested. And other people, you know, her kids at various times and maybe friends, you know, tried to get her to be open to that. And she just... It, she, I think she said she was never really interested and in also that, um, you know, it might, she might've been open if something had presented itself that seemed appealing, but yes, there definitely was a sense of deep grief. Um, and like for decades, um, mm-hmm. and over that loss and that he absolutely was, you know, the love of her life. And, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, absolutely. So, and what I, in terms of, I don't, I think that my grandmother was not entirely, at times in her life, I don't think she was entirely thrilled to be female. 
And I'm not sure she was entirely comfortable with like the, like femininity and sexuality. And like, I think, and she had, mm. she had three, well, actually four daughters, two of whom died and two of whom are still alive. And um, then she has three granddaughters, all of whom are like pretty darn girly. <laughs> and, um, and I think that, and there were times over the course of, um, you know, the time that our lives crop inter interwove with each other that I did feel occasionally like she was a little, um, annoyed or sort of, or judgy or threatened, or just sort of like, she didn't quite know what to do with us sometimes when we were like really in our like full on <laughs> floofy girly thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, so, th so there's that. And I also, um, so when I, when I've been reflecting for myself, um, I know that I can definitely uh, put a partner on a pedestal. I can definitely live in the memory of, or live in fantasy, or um, also it's very easy for, um, you know, like in some, some schools of thought around uh, love, like love addiction, for example, there's a term anorexia, mm -hmm. emotional, social, or sexual anorexia. Mm. And um, I sometimes identify in that way. I can sort of swing back and forth, right? So I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that my grandmother was like emotionally or sexually anorexic. Particularly, she had the choices she made for the reasons she made them. But I can see that there's a capacity to sort of just like shut that door that I I see in myself sometimes. Mm. I see mm. that in myself. Um, and then, and, and also, you know, she was, um, her social life was very much centered around her family and she wasn't, well, she was very centered around her family and, and activities. Um, I don't know that she was super comfortable in like just a sort of open social situation, which I identify with as well. Mm -hmm. And I would. And I don't think I would speak out of turn to say that my sister, my sister and I have discussed, you know, having social anxiety. She's talked about it publicly. Um, both of my parents, I think, sometimes can be a little nervous in certain social situations. Um, so, I mean, which is a little odd to say, especially for somebody like my mother, who's like so um, public, but that's, there's a difference between being on stage and being like in a cocktail party, right? Right. Um, and well, I, what I'm listening, what I'm wondering about, which is interesting, is you're you're a performer, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're an actress. Yeah. So that's like the opposite of yeah. anxiety. Yeah. It is, except also, again, similar to my mother, you know, that there's a difference between getting on stage and talking to a bunch of people. Right. Same with, for me, there's a difference between playing a, I mean, when you're playing a role, you're still right. yourself, right? right? But you right. have that way to channel it. I actually feel, in some ways, I feel most comfortable on stage mm -hmm. singing mm -hmm. or, yeah, I feel most comfortable singing on stage. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. because you feel safe. We feel safe when we're in 
because we're in control. So yeah. we feel to safe versus I mean, there's a lot that's not in control about that, but yeah, there is a degree of control. For well, sure. if you're in leadership and you're running a show, it's different than being at a big party where you don't know who's going to come up to you, what you're going to say, what's going to happen, what's happening next. I think yeah, many exactly. of our listeners are going to identify with that, right? Especially yeah. sensitive healers who are like, I feel like those of us that I did, we're all sensitive, really, hopefully. I mean, there's yeah. much, you know, going on, but there's this, um, I was thinking about this yesterday, like how, what is that? Like, I'm sensitive, like what that means and relating to children, because I'm, you know, doing this pilot's kids course, I'm going to be teaching yeah. children this course and, and, and talking to the parents about their kids' issues and their sensitivity and like every child is sensitive. Oh. Yes. So, right. And, and we all were children. So in a way it's our childlike self, yes. right. Right. And, and not so many children feel like stable and grounded and strong because we are still sucking the energy of adults to survive. We need them. So we don't naturally come into our sovereignty until ideally, you know, 18. Anyway, I'm going off yeah. in that direction because I just wanted to take it a little layer deeper. Um, yeah. Keep going um, if you have more to share about what you Yeah, I mean, another, and you know, uh, another thing that I noticed, well, sort of two sides of the same coin with, with granny. One is that she was, she could, was very practical and, you know, she like lived out of her camper for weeks at a time when she would, you know, go on trips or, and, you know, she hiked the Appalachian Trail. So that requires somebody who's like, practical and organized and um, can really uh, kind of go, like can be minimalist, right? And that was something that I really, that was like a really helpful example for me, I feel like. And also on the flip side, um, I noticed that there were times when she was um, like almost apologetic about taking up space Mm. like with her stuff or her just and that's something that I also really identify with and I and I I I just was struck by it um in the past few years because I thought wow like here you are having lived this amazing life and nurtured multiple generations of humans Mm-hmm. and inspired so many people and there's still some that's like a very must be a very old conditioning that was just never addressed and I um it was interesting and I yeah. it was just something that I would like to I'd like to I'd like to release that one you know mm-hmm. for her like I, I I think that one can be released there's just no need to be, um, <laughs> I don't know. It's just no, there's no, it's need actually, it's actually apologetic. I mean, it's like, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Don't worry about me. Oh no, no. It's okay. Don't worry about me. My, my mother's mom had that as well. My grandma Marie, yeah. she, she passed mm, 19 years ago this week and oh, she was a Pisces and she took care of everyone. Mm-hmm. I mean, volunteered to the nines. Mm-hmm. She had breast cancer and I've come to understand mm-hmm. 
and did some work on this about 10 years ago. I remember we did a ceremony where I did this ancestor ceremony up in the mountains, Santa Cruz at Dharma Ridge and oh, I'm just having a whole flashback moment. Sorry, that was, that was, I forgot about that. It was very powerful, but I've understood breast cancer to be like that you're caring for everyone else before yourself, right? And you leave yourself out. And so as you're talking, I'm, I'm thinking of the generational oh, yeah. samskaras, like the generational patterns and the karmas that that for them was so normal right and then like for your mom and my mom where they're like i mean your your grandma your granny was like a step ahead my mom was like first wave 70s feminist well i am not just a wife and a mother Mm -hmm. right and i'm here to help our daughters and help the world to help bring raise women up to empower women. And I've just started appreciating that in a new way very recently, actually with my mom and really catching how I talk with her and things that she never really said anything about. And I'm like, Oh, I just, I wish a, a man was here to da 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 da. And she, really, yeah, yeah. she just like respects me and, you know, kind of, <laughs> like, but the men are like this and women are like this and I get it. And she's like, whatever, you know, we're all, and, and I, I'm going to do an interview with my niece who's whatever wave of feminism we're in, who's just so no bullshit, indigo, magical, like rebellious activist mm-hmm. to uplift everyone who hasn't been uplifted. I know you have some some nieces and nephews too. Yeah. And it's like that generation is just like, all right, enough of this. We're all equal, all right already, you know? And just to see like what's been happening, you know, through the generations. And I, I say this because I want our listeners to get that, you know, it's not always quote unquote, your fault. If you have a pattern that you're navigating through, it's, it's something that your soul agreed upon by coming back into this time incarnating so that you can work it out. I love how you say like, I want to release that for her. Right. And it's like releasing it for the future as well. And it's releasing it for future generations and ultimately for consciousness. Yes. Yeah. Right. For in the field. Now there's this pattern Oh, we get to, I, I've been, I've been navigating that the last year as well. As well. It's like, mm-hmm. I'm in a small house. It's great. I'm by the ocean. I have the big ocean, but my apartment in Santa Cruz was like a freaking closet. And I was like, when I move, I will have space. You know, and now I have this like, you know, a thousand plus square foot house. I'm like, it's huge. So yeah, taking up space. I'm just, I'm, I'm dwelling. I want to dwell on that with you and I'm going to play like kind of, this is how I coach people. I, I, I would imagine you do something similar mm-hmm. and I want to play with that a little with you if I can and ask you some questions about that. Okay. So yep. what, this is something that you, that I would say in a session, like what does, first of all, is that correct? Like not taking space, the opposite is taking up space. Is that, am I correct? And I think so. Like let's, let's elaborate on that. Tell me more about if you're not like apologizing, hiding, not wanting to take up space, like what's possible? Now your grandma, I read that she was a mayor too, oh, yeah. right? Like, so yeah. in she certain ways- how to take up space. Sometimes she did. Sometimes she did, sometimes she didn't. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah, and also just briefly to say, I also think that she wasn't, she was of that generation that was like, we are wives and moms. But she also had 
so much. She was almost, I mean, I don't want to say she was ill suited to that because she was a wonderful wife and mom. And she like, that's part of the soul. That was part of the, her destiny. Right. Otherwise we wouldn't be here having this conversation. And at the same time, there was, she had like so much energy in additional directions and places. It's all, it's so weird. Just like when somebody dies, especially somebody who's been on the planet for such a long time. I find it so surreal that it's like she was here for all this time and now she's not. And like, how do you even encapsulate an entire life? It just, there's something about it. that's so big. It's, mm-hmm. but I also do love the fact that because a person's presence and effect is so big, they do live on in a certain way. It's really- absolutely, absolutely. And for people listening, if your grandma was a wife and a mother and she stayed home and she just took care of a family, like equally as valuable, there's no right, better, worse, you know, notice if you're listening, if you're comparing, you know, and we want to support you to like, to, to relish in the gifts, but also to be willing to look at those places where generationally it's changed and also what the opportunities are now for people to um, shift into and transform into so that you can support the rapid evolution of the family karmas that affects the whole. So I want to just name that. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And also each of those paths and choices as a mother then affects your kids. I think that especially well, for any, okay, for all humans, right? Like you could be at a dinner party, right? And maybe, and so there are all these different people around the table and each person has their own personality. And, you know, some people might be really quiet and then other people might be um, more uh, verbal, but asking other people questions. And then other people are very verbal, but talking about and talking about themselves, or some people are cracking jokes or whatever, all these different personalities. And if one person sits at the table and decides, oh, I don't want to take up too much space because I don't want to, I don't want to take space from somebody else, or I don't want somebody to be threatened, or I, or I don't want people to think bad things about me, or I don't want, or I'm afraid I might say something stupid or whatever it is, um, then it's possible that the conversation that is meant to happen at that table doesn't happen because the person is holding back. And Mm -hmm. On the flip side, I do feel there's something to be said for generosity and awareness of group. I'm like hyper aware of group dynamics. Um, Yeah. I remember when you gave me a reading, you're one of them. You won't remember this because that's what happens when we give readings, but you were like, you know, be read the room. You're like, read, you take up a because we were talking about that because I take up a lot lot of space. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, read the room. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, like like there's like there's almost sort of an energetic dance that can happen um between mm-hmm. different people in interacting oh, yeah. with each other in the same space, right? Yes. And 
my belief, and maybe it's idealistic of me, but my belief is that there is enough space for everybody to shine. Maybe not all at the same exact time and not exact, not all in exactly the same way. But my vision is when you go to a party or a dinner or a whatever, that there's a back and forth and there's like space for everybody to shine and be themselves and be witnessed mm-hmm. and be supported and celebrated and enjoy each other. Mm-hmm. And when, I mean, I personally feel like holding back and pushing come from the same place. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. comes from trauma. It comes from like either not feeling seen or heard exactly. or feeling criticized. Those are the two key, key right. two main things. When we do energy healing, it's the same. It's like, yeah. Either th- this is happening or the other is happening. We want yeah. to come to that balance. Yeah, exactly. So to me, it's like being in balance. And also, I mean, it kind of reminds me of, so the specific thing that triggered this for me with my granny. So we were, so we were rooming together at this family. Um, we had this big family reunion uh, in the Adirondacks two years ago. And it was literally like two years ago this month. Uh, um, anyway, so, and she and I were rooming together because, you know, I'm, I'm single and <laughs> she's granny and she's single. And they, so we're in the same room. And that meant we were sharing a bathroom. We were, were, had two beds and one bathroom. And she did not leave her toiletries on the counter in the bathroom. She kept carrying them back and forth from her, like her, her area of the bedroom. And I said, granny, you can leave those here. And she said, Oh, that's, she said, Oh, I just don't want to, I just don't want to be in your way. And honestly, it made me, I felt so sad to hear her say that because I'm like, you're, you're the matriarch here. You're 93 years old. There's plenty of space. And if anybody should be accommodating anybody, it should be way around, you know, and also there's plenty of space. So, um, that was what kind of triggered that for me was that image of her like kind of walking around with her toiletries instead of leaving Mm -hmm. them there. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And I guess my vision is that people, and I do feel, I mean, of course, as you said, we're both women, we work mostly with women. I don't know how men do this, but I can, I know I know the space of women interacting and I know that there's a lot that is not said mm-hmm. between women often. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's like, you know, that's not that big. It's not that big of a deal, but I also feel there are so many opportunities between women to just be like real mm-hmm. and, and trust that we can both coexist in the same space and that there's mm-hmm. enough. So, you know, in that situation, it's a grandmother and her granddaughter. There's only so much that needs to be done there. Like I just was more sort of observing. I didn't need to like change her, but there's a way in which maybe two people in a space could say, um, you know, like, I don't know if it was because she knows that I'm a little more glam. So she thought I needed more space. I have no idea. But the point is to have a conversation mm-hmm. and to trust that there's enough literal space and energetic space 
Right. Yeah. Well, what, what's coming to mind is like the nice girl. Exactly. I'm in the South now. People are nice and they'll be like, yes, ma'am. And they kind of are like, yeah, they might in a second when you're not looking be like, fuck you. (laughs) You know, like, 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 so interesting that you say that because I also think that my granny was actually pretty opinionated. Uh And, but she was, yeah, she grew up in a generation where you're supposed to be nice. And I feel like that's something that I'm also um, mm-hmm. you know, working through. It's like, I'm actually not as nice as I act. <laughs> <laughs> and my red hair has given me so much yes. freedom to just be like, okay, this is what I actually think. It's not that I'm not kind. No, I get it. I get it. I mean, not until I have my podcast did I even like curse online. I mean, I'm like, I am here to love you and hold you and I present myself, but my friends know that I'm a no bullshit, down to earth, very opinionated, often very judgmental. I I check myself and I return to compassion as much as possible. Um, But that, especially as I get older and I feel so deeply held and supported after many, many years of, of cultivating, I don't even know, healing of, you know, what I've been through is like, I just feel like there's no way that I can disconnect from God. I mean, I feel all God, goddess, I feel unloved even when I forget and somehow, I don't know, maybe it's, maybe it's part of going through four, four years of deep grief, but, um, I get that. And also there's reasons. It's it's protection too. There's good reasons. There's reasons why we stay stuck in certain patterns that until we can get to that reason, can we find a new way to behold the sanctity of that need, right? So like, oh, well, she wanted to respect you. Yeah. She, she can respect you and take up space, right? Yeah. Right. And we can have conversations that, that our grandmothers didn't have the languaging for because, because men were very uh, assumptuous and entitled. Okay. So you just said something about the connection to God and grief. It speaks to another deep piece for me about granny. And that is one, she was very spiritual. Mm -hmm. And she actually found like audio cassettes of Abraham Hicks. Like, you know, she, she discovered them for our family. That's Mm -hmm. how we um, listened to them. And she was a, she was part of the national association of doubt or the dash dowsing society of America forever. I mean, I think she mostly did that for hiking for the water, but I think she knew how to use it for multiple things. Mm-hmm. I am going to be inheriting her dowsing pendulum, which I feel mm-hmm. super honored about. Um, mm-hmm. And she just was a very spiritual person. And one of the things, and I do think to the point you just made, that was partially of necessity because she went through, she lost her mother, one of her daughters and her husband all in the space of approximately two years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she, and she did say to me that she, at that time, she had a choice of shutting down or opening a new door to a new life. And that was what she chose. Mm -hmm. And I also know that that was partially 
that took a trap that was a that took a village it took the support of her kids you know like mm-hmm. and all of that but she did make that choice and and again she was very spiritual she and i used to especially in like recent years where she was definitely in she lost her best friend um a handful of years ago they were hiking buddies and stuff um and then between that and sort of finally losing some of her mobility, which was like part of her identity, there was, there were new kinds of forms of grief and frustration and stuff. So we would meditate together on the, Mm. on the, on the porch of her cabin. Mm. And she was so open to being in that space. And so like almost hungry for being in that space of connection. Mm. And I think that she one thing that I noticed, I don't know that she had quite developed the capacity to create that for herself, like on tap. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that, um, you know, was sad to witness and also something that I also relate to, like, it's so easy to get disconnected and to sort of lose your faith and to need to rely on outside sources And at the same time, there are so many, there are ways to stay connected Mm -hmm. and realign in a very short period of time. And I think Mm -hmm. that maybe because so much of her life was um, in the realm of the physical. Mm -hmm. um, She was a a doer. She was a doer. doer. Yeah, she was a doer. And that was part of how she connected to spirit. And so um, I feel for me, um, I don't know, that's part of the legacy that I'm also sort of updating for myself is Mm. is maybe integrating those a little differently or yeah. And knowing it's okay to have grief and melancholy. And also there's the access point. I don't know. There's something about the access point to joy and connection that I feel I have also struggled with, and I would like to, but I've also made a lot of progress and I would like to sort of, um, again, reclaim that for myself and for her, Yes, you know, and for my nieces and hopefully I'll have children and all of that. But there's like something about that. Cause for me, it's almost, I don't know if this is your experience, but sometimes that connection, it's like, it's literal, it's like turning just a couple of it's just it's not even a full turn it's like you just turn like and i realize mm-hmm. i'm not saying something i'm saying something mm-hmm. that i need to explain the it's visual a shift in, it's a shift in perception it's a shift yeah. i mean i think carlos castaneda called it the assemblage point it's like you shift mm-hmm. how you are and then your energy lines up mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yep. yeah mm-hmm. it can be subtle it's like yeah. i guess my experience is that some, not always, sometimes it's not subtle, but there are times when the shift in perception is available. A big shift in perspective perception is available from a pretty seemingly small step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what we're talking about is subtlety. I mean, when you say that grandma, your granny uh, rather didn't um, take up space in the bathroom, you know, and it's just such a small aspect, knowing that all of us have all these little things that we oh, can sure. always work on. It's, a, it's one of those things that when we 
clean up in a subtle way that we can, um, and when we clean up in a subtle way, it can affect all aspects of our lives um, that maybe we could see when we look back, especially if, you know, like Abraham says, 17 seconds. I think now it's down to 16 or 15 seconds. I heard. Oh, recently. really? Yeah. It's like it got <laughs> less, but, um, but when we like concentrate on it and put attention on it, like self-care and like sitting in the silence, um, it does source us. Mm. to um, gain the communion. So we're talking about space. And one of the things I learned from Jamie Sams, which I loved, which is a great, great female native teacher. She wrote the 13 original clan mothers, um, Dancing Your Dream, which talks about the stages of initiation and our 113-year-old teachers and um, the, the wolf clan and the Seneca teachings and the grandmother teachings. And um, the prophecies, including how it relates to the crystal skulls and like w- where that ties in and that they're all like these archetypes of woman. And when we heal all these archetypes within ourselves, we can become our vision. I mean, it just, it just gave me all of that in my twenties. And wow. um, yeah. And so she, there's this one piece about, you know, circle and like how your first circle is you know, you and sacred source, right? When you're a child, the first, like my guru would say, like your first guru is your mom. Cause like you come out and you're like, mom, boobs. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I'm mom. Um, but as you grow up and mature, ideally we have that first, that connections with spirit, then our connections with our, our partner, mm-hmm. our beloved and our family immediate circle. Right. And then your outer circle, like the community and then the greater world. And that when we're in right relationship with source first, then we can have high functioning, healthy relationships when we, when we go out. But, and I've, I saw this in California a lot, especially with a lot of lonely people. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, myself at some point um, <laughs> where there, and you, you might see this cause you're in a juicy community as well, where people, they don't have they may be very lonely and not have intimate personal relationships, but then they're like out in community looking yeah. for those connections, but it feels off because the person isn't really grounded in themselves. And there's yeah. a projection of that. Whereas I don't think your grandmother or my grandmother had that because they did have love and an intimate yes. connection and intimate family. Yeah. Um, but that circle is really important, which brings it back to kind of our work and what we're doing now and that how we both train women in that, you know, in like sitting and like listening and talking to God, goddess, and like getting your clarity. And like right now, some of my mentees are in um, this training where we work with the gratitude. We work with gratitude, um, not foundationally because it can be a bypass. Gratitude can be like a, like, just be grateful. And it's like, well, I'm just yeah. fucking, fucking pissed. Like, but <laughs> But that like, like gratitude is relationship Mm, and that, um, and this is also going to like be in the book. So gratitude is like, you're always grateful for something and we, and it's right relationship. Like if I'm grateful, like I'm grateful for you for this meeting today. Like it's natural. I feel that that's true. I am, you know, I'm not grateful when I get cut off by somebody's driving, you know, I'll be like, what the hell? My nervous system, right? Um, But um, the way that we return to that is by, that I practice is like you sit with it. Maybe you talk about it with a friend or a therapist or something, but you really sit with it and you get your energy 
to a place of clarity. So you know what you want to say, you know what your needs are, right? You know what you, um, do, maybe you do this, like, you know what you're asking for, you know what your need is. So by the time you have that conversation with somebody that you're not necessarily in right relationship with, you can um, be really clear and grounded in yourself and don't inhibit them to be defensive, reactive. That creates that spiral into some kind of a fight or something. So I, I feel like um, as I reflect on our grandmothers and gosh, I really don't want to wrap this up. I mean, what are we doing, girl? Well, we, apparently I can just talk about granny for like two hours. No, last meeting, last podcast too. I'm like, we just, oh, we just get warm after an hour. We need to do something. Some retreat or workshop together or something at some point. Yeah. I hope at some point in our lives. Um, so there's like this um, um, way of women finding our voices mm-hmm. that we didn't, you know, that maybe our grandmothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, we're talking about grandmothers at this point, you know, mm-hmm. didn't always have because of their fear of being controlled, dominated, you know, um, because of the aggression, the masculine aggression, mm-hmm. you know, and that like finding how to express ourselves with love and clarity and, you know, in a parasympathetic response can help support, um, healing. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, how do you work with women to express their needs? And I'm just going to bring us forward a little bit. I know you oh, want to keep sure. talking unless you want to say more about granny right now, but um, okay, I will say one small thing and then I will, yeah. which is um, another thing I noticed in the family dynamic mm-hmm. is that there was a myth, there was a mythology of this woman mm-hmm. that was true. It was true. It wasn't myth as in like lies, but right. mythology as in the things that were emphasized and talked about and celebrated both within the family and in the public. And most of those things had to do with her um, more, I would say masculine energy accomplishments Mm. and activities. And in the time that I spent with her last year, which I spent a month in Mm. my mother's hometown seeing my grandmother almost every single day, Mm. which was incredible. and during that time, most of what she shared with me was more of the softer, more vulnerable, more feminine aspects of her experience of life. Wow. And I just found that so beautiful. And I guess I'm not really sure what I want to say about that, except that I just, for me, it was just a reminder that people are whole, you know, we are whole human beings. Right. 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 That came from the intimacy. That is is what happens in intimacy. That is what happens when we let people in and when we spend close time with people, we we do open up. Yeah. We do open up. A beautiful opportunity to, I mean, I kind of, in some ways I kind of not coached, but kind of, I kind of, I just created space for her mm. the past in our experiences together over the past few years. And I feel that was really such a privilege, right. and honor, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, and also you could, you don't have children. 
It yep. was it was 2020, so the, so the yeah. world, you know, we had a second I was working breathe. remotely, you know, and I had yeah. to get out. So yeah, that was just a beautiful, uh, for me, it was a reflection of like, just the range and fullness of a life and, and of a woman, mm. you know, yeah, so. I remember my grandma, um, Marie, who passed 19 years ago. Mm spending time with her and we, I want to watch this. My brother did like a video of mm. inter- interview with my grandparents, like a yeah. few years before she passed. Mm. And I started dancing. I was doing like Afro-Cuban dance and Brazilian and Haitian mm. in, in New York. And, um, and I was telling my grandma and she was so happy you know, uh, that I was dancing, you know, and she was like, keep dancing, you know, like always uh, dance, you know, uh, and, now I could feel how much as I get older, how much she influenced, you know, my, my love for dance and my love for nature. She used to paint birds and like, they just yeah. love nature and like things like that. And we reflect on that. But yeah. I, I do, I find also with my mom and my, my little mommy, I talk about her all the time on my podcast, I'm trying to get her on, I'm trying to get my mom on. But, oh, yeah. I want my mom and my niece together. I think that'll be pretty profound. Mm. Um, but um, I was talking with her when, when I talk with my mom, like I'm in, and I'm in a rush and like things come up, like we just can't connect about them. But when we like, I realize the more time I spend, the deeper we go, just like our call right now, you know, yeah. just like this, it's like the more time, the warmer we are. It's like salsa dancing. Your first dance, you're like, Oh, oh, or tango like, dancing, which is what I do. Oh, I want to do tango. So sexy. Oh, you would love it. You would oh, love it. Girl. So good. It's so good. And it's so spiritual. It's like, mm. like you are in a mutual meditation with your partner. It's hard though. I mean, talking about the soft energy, even salsa, like we did um, something called sensual bachata last weekend. Mm. Like bachata. I've seen that. It is so so cool. it's so hot. It's so hot. And we have this yeah. like professional couple from um, New York that are these like French and Spanish. They're like this international performers and, yeah. and um, like they're, they're, they're perfect. Um, <laughs> and I did a workshop and, you know, and I'm like, the guys are learning and I'm like trying to follow. And she comes up to me. She's like, you got to relax your wrists. Cause I, trained like in massage and in martial arts like the wrist is always like straight and firm oh yeah she's like you gotta like really i'm like oh is that it and and like there's all these ways like you soften your arm but like you keep your feet long but you anchor in your core but then you like let yourself and and it 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 was so tricky it's so tricky and i'm a good i have really good rhythm and i study african dance for 20 years so i mean but it's individual dance not partner dancing and i could just feel like my grandma you know and how they did all this community dance for so long and how it brought them together and Oh, it's so good. And then the metaphor of dance is like live right now, you know, like dance, live, show up. This is our lives. You know, we've all been faced with the reality that we're going to go and anyone could go. And some people think there's absolutely no rhyme or reason, but there is, there's health. There's also soul choice. Um, And in this time, I mean, you know, I just want to ask like our listeners to, to contemplate, you know, to look at what's holding them back because for many women, it is their voice. And I hear that. And do you hear that a lot that 
It's like finding your voice and speaking your truth. And, and, and often it's people who are in relationship, who are like always in relationship, maybe because I've been single for so long. Like, I don't say anything to anyone. I don't care. Whatever. <laughs> or the, my Jewish grandmothers, you know, just like. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's got something to say. Um, for me, it's to listen more you know, mm-hmm. to be, stay curious and to not be the knowing, I know, and I will tell you everything I'm thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So we get to look at that. How do you work with women to find their voice um, and express themselves and their needs and take up space? Yeah. Um, many ways. Certainly there's almost always some kind of inner child stuff for us to, to work through and heal. Um, there is, I mean, I almost always, not in every session, but in many sessions, we do an intuitive sort of download at the beginning and see what Mm -hmm. wants to come through. And so those are often include some kind of images, um, that might be, that are symbolic, but can be guiding for them. Um, and then also there's often, a guide or two in like some sort of goddess or a person, you know, a spirit guide, somebody who's, who's passed on, who wants to come in with a message or whatever. So those are people, those are guides that they can be in conversation with, you know, ongoingly, Uh, or sometimes they, they might um, symbolize the quality that this woman, that the client is kind of being invited to expand into. Um, so she can like, you know, it's almost like asking, you know, your guardian angel to be with you when you have a difficult conversation or something like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So So first communicating with their spirit guides. Mm. Yeah. And then, um, there's also sometimes we, well, dancing honestly is actually part of, that's more in the group work, but generally there's dancing Mm. because- helps women remember who they are. You know, that, that that just came out of my mouth, but I should give credit to my friend, Rochelle Sheik, who created Koya, which it, and the slogan of Koya, which is Q-O-Y-A, and it's a movement form um, and mm-hmm. primarily for women, but, you know, any gender can do it. But her, the slogan is when we move, we remember. Mm-hmm. So powerful. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, journaling, there is, um, we do a lot of, I mean, honestly, so much of the time it has to, the dynamics have to do with women recognizing how important their own radiance and light is Mm -hmm. and how many power they have. Mm -hmm. And just like getting, getting into agreement with that. Mm -hmm. Um, letting go of, uh, again, apologizing for it or waiting for somebody else to go first or um, (laughs) letting go of these patterns of I'm only okay if he's okay. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. That was my grandma. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The codependency is a big one that we work through all the time. Clearing the codependency and claiming your sovereign voice. mm -hmm. And then, um, and then there are like energetic thing, uh, visualizations and tools that I often pass on to help with the boundaries. Um, Mm -hmm. and 
then and also doing things in there like sometimes it's a sometimes it's conversations to have yeah uh, so sometimes we talk about the specifics of you know what to say and how to say it but often it's more like like the word you use sovereignty like taking sovereignty over their own energetic space yes and and trusting that and and letting it letting the other people and moving parts ripple around it and really recognizing like one of the phrases that I often say to clients is you are, remember you're the, you're the source. Like there, you know, there's that famous painting court, I think it's by Courbet and it's L'Origine du Monde. Mm. And it's a painting of, of literally a woman's just spread naked, you know, like from here down, right. Mm -hmm. From the waist down. Mm -hmm. Um, it means the origin of the world. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean that men and masculinity don't have power or creation. They do. Mm-hmm. But as a woman, you have a particular innate mm-hmm. connection to this sense of light mm-hmm. and life force. And mm-hmm. I think that so much of it is about taking responsibility for that and ownership of that and celebrating it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it it is. It really is. And it reminds me of many things, but specifically just to kind of wrap it up. Um, it's like ties into that Jamie Sam's teachings and the prophecies of as women fully reclaim ourselves and the men, we, the men will learn through us how yeah. we respect ourselves. Yes. They will respect us. Right. Yes. So fighting them to respect us doesn't seem to be the most effective way if you ask any man that I know including <laughs> the ones in my family it's honoring ourselves and enough to communicate our needs and, and sharing what we want and what's our truth that actually mm-hmm. cultivates respect which is from whereas for men it could be a little different how men get respect and I hope that if you're um, gender fluid or if you identify as male or female or trans or anywhere in between, that in some way that this this messaging helps you tie in with your own grandmother line. Um, be patient with us of our generation as we learn how to weave the things that we've learned into <laughs> languaging that supports everyone. Yeah, and I and thank you for saying that because um, it's it's important to me in general, as a human on the planet, I also happen to have a sibling who is um, uh, non-binary. And uh, so it's something that's like, Mm -hmm. it comes up in my mind on a regular basis. And and what I always say is, Mm -hmm. uh, first off, I, I I don't purport to be a authority on what the experience is of being non-binary or trans. I'm an authority on the experience of being a woman because that's my experience. And I also have observed and heard from many people of all genders and gender expressions that masculine and feminine energy lives in each of us. And to be perfectly honest, part of my journey is anchoring more into my masculine energy, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? So we need both. Um, that's right. That's right. And we all have both. That's right. That's right. Assuming we come from a sperm and an egg, even if it's in a 
petri dish or whatever. So, okay. Any final words that you'd like to share today? I think we brought it back home, hopefully. (laughs) Thank Um, you for being patient with me. It's just, it's like every time you say, I think that you're, I think part of what's mm -hmm. happening is you're tapping into something. So every time you say something, it's, it sparks like, I know, I know my third, my third, we're sort of on a different wave. We're on this particular wave. I know my third eye buzzes too. And you like, we both track on lots of different levels. Yeah. So that's why, like, that's why I do private coaching. A lot of private coaching, I develop very intimate relationships with people yeah. because there's so much to cover in yes. order to see things all the way through. And it takes time to see things all the way through, even getting to the root of the issues. You can say, oh, our grandmother was like this, but even just talking about it doesn't actually get all the way through it. It is the work that you do and the work of doing inner work and working with the energetic patterning and re, you know, like shifting your perspective and all the ways that we're, we're being that, that when we shift them, that helps us to actually ground those new ways and, and, and hopefully rapidly evolve our ancestral lines for the future. We didn't even talk about the future. Um, Okay. Maybe we could do in the spring. Maybe we could do another one. I'd love to to interview again. I just have so much fun. I think the last thing I'll say is um, there is a, there's an album called graceful passages that was very helpful to my grandmother in her um, final Mm -hmm. months. Mm. and years and I have found it super helpful as well Mm. over the years and um for soothing for solace for meditation um so that's I will say that as a something to pass along graceful passages is there is is there a link to that something that we can look up oh on Spotify yeah it's on Spotify okay we'll find it and we'll post it in the show notes yeah, has but we there there's both an instrumental version and a version with narration. Oh, I'm so curious. Thank you. And how can our listeners follow up with you? Um, I have my Instagram is at Ann C Mahler, so A N N C as in cat M O L L E R, and that's where I am. That's where the most up to date stuff is. I also do have a website, which is AnnMahlerTheMuse.com. And you can reach me uh, through either of those. Fabulous. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much. You're welcome. (laughs) If you enjoyed listening to today's episode, and I sure hope you did, you can listen to Awaken Life Radio wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. To join the conversation, hop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Awakened Life Tribe. You can join us there and share any thoughts, feelings, insights, or questions that you have from listening to Awakened Life Radio, and we can interact and connect more. 